Doesn't matter what comes, fresh goes better in life. With mental fresh full of love. Nothing gets to you, feeling fresh, feeling cool. With mental fresh is full of life. Fresh goes better with better. Mental fresh goes better with mental fresh and full of life. Mentos. The fresh maker. Wow, that's happened. Bright, 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 bright. Welcome to our podcast. But you know we're already here because we're uh, we're recording tonight. Are you excited about tonight? Man, I'm excited to to get in here to record. I know we we had to delay it a little bit. Work and life and stress and everything else. Mental mental health challenges <laughs> got in the way early in the week, but Tuesday's um, got in the way. T- Tuesday's a rough day for me. Um, <laughs> but hey, we're here now. I got a nice cold beer. Ready to ready to do some podcasting. Well, uh, my Tuesday and your Tuesday were drastically different. Um, yes. So you are going to Chicago this year. You and your wife are going to a concert. You're going to what? Chris Stapleton and Sturgill Simpson. Am I, is that right? Uh, Chris Stapleton and uh, Jason Isbell. Jason Isbell. That's yeah. It's all relative. Um, so you're going there. You're going to see. Um, a crappy baseball team play. I'm here to see the Chicago Jason Kipnis's play. And um, it's it's going to be a good time. Well, my Tuesday, maybe I got a little jealous of all the fun you and your wife were planning with your trip to Chicago. I, all right, let me tell you something about me and my wife. I love her very much. And that's <laughs> not a prerequisite to saying something bad. Because this is not a bad thing. I am hard to to be married to (laughs) (laughs) i I, real talk this is not about her it's about me i am and anybody who really knows me i'm sometimes i'm rough to be around and i i say that because there are certain things that i will pester my wife knowing knowing that it's not really going to happen and i will pester her and i'll say things like something crazy like, hey, I want to fly out to Liverpool this Christmas, and I want to go to a match out there, and I'll keep talking about it. And she knows I'm not, I'm not serious about it. She knows I'm not kidding, or she knows that I am kidding. Like earlier this week, I told her that I'm, I want to graduate from Harvard, but it means I have to take classes at Harvard because I was legit looking at master's programs, and I thought, you know what, that would be pretty cool to be a Harvard graduate. I could be yeah. an alumnus with Conan O'Brien. And Mark Zuckerberg, did he graduate? Does Zucks graduate? I have no idea. Anyway, we don't want to talk too much about Mark Zuckerberg. So it's stuff like that. Well, Tuesday, uh, you don't watch the show Shit's Creek. But it's a show, um, if you've watched movies like um, Best in Show, or um, or if you're a fan of, let's say, Home Alone movie, because Catherine O'Hara's in there. I'm just kidding. But Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, these are some really famous comedians they're in uh guffman waiting for guffman excuse me if i got the name right i can't remember i haven't seen it in a minute um best you're correct that waiting those, for guffman yep yeah those type of flicks well they're on a show called Shit's creek and i'm not going to tell you the whole synopsis of the show but i will tell you that eugene levy and his son um dan levy created the show mostly dan levy is his son who also plays his son on the tv show 
well, it's a huge hit in Canada. It's really gained a lot of popularity in the United States over the past few years. And it's in its final season. So they've decided to go on a farewell tour, which I've never heard of a TV show doing this. I've heard of like Comic-Con. I've heard of TV actors and actresses going to conventions and whatnot, but never something like this. So they have a farewell tour and the closest location they have is Chicago. And hey. Chicago, for those who don't travel much or if you're not in Columbus area, it's about five and a half hours for, for driving. Okay. A flight is like, what, 35, 40 minutes, maybe? Uh, about, it's about, a, a, we've flown there recently. It's about an hour, it was about an hour going, about 55 minutes coming back or so. Yeah, so it's not, it's it's a pretty short trip. But all of our trips get exacerbated because we have three kids. <laughs> we have mm-hmm. not a lot of time in our hands. Our babysitting is um, sporadic at best. We do have babysitters, but it's a, it's a task to ask somebody to watch your kids. Like, for instance, I shouldn't have asked it on Tuesday because you have bad Tuesdays. I do. And I, I like, 65% jokingly asked you if you wanted to get really strong birth control and watch our kids <laughs> for a couple of days. And you weren't even like, because Brian and myself, we have a... We have a good friendship. We have a strong friendship. And I thought, you know what? He's going to consider it because we're really, I think we're growing. I think our relationship is growing. Yes. And you, um, no, I don't think you breathed a breath before you replied. Basically, all hell no was the <laughs> response. Like, it's not going to happen. Maybe if I would have asked you on a Monday or a Thursday, would have got a different response. But you were, you were not for it. What, what, what what's wrong with, uh, with watching my kids, Brian. Um, I really don't know anything about watching children. Um, as I as I told you, it's probably better off like putting them out in the woods with a pack of wolves for a couple of days. Um, <laughs> Raised by wolves. <laughs> you know, we have cats. It, we have cats. The main reason we have cats is so that you know when we go on that trip, say to Chicago that we talked about, I can just like leave them here. Like, you know, just they're just like uh, they have food, water, and you know litter box, and they're good. They'll be here when I get back. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't even want a dog because it's too much work. I don't think I should be in charge of someone else's children. But cat kids are kind of like cats, except for you have to do every single thing they need. Well, you know, I thought I lost you for a minute. I thought you hung up on me. Um, put it into. Um, just put in perspective for you. I did ask another coworker of ours, a certain um, gentleman with the initials DC. Ooh, okay. And this gentleman actually came back the next day and said that they would have said yes to taking our children. Wow. So I'm not trying to guilt you. But... He, also, he also has a child, so he is familiar with, um child rearing techniques Alyssa grew up in a house of like what seven kids <laughs> there's five of them well you know five seven odd numbers three kids is nothing to her to her she grew up with with four different siblings it doesn't matter because my mom ended up saying she would watch the kids which is a godsend because my wife and I we don't 
get out very much in terms of outside of the state. I mean, last year we went on vacation because my sister got married down in Savannah, Georgia. And then this year, my sister-in-law is getting married in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. So great news. Next year, all of my siblings are married. So they can't dictate my vacation schedule. All these people getting married, destination weddings, and I got to pay for it. But my wife and I, we're now going to Chicago for a very, very quick trip. And um, no thanks to you. Hey, I like to think I gave you the emotional support needed um, to maybe go ahead and do that. No, you don't offer emotional support on Tuesdays. No, yeah, that's true. Not on Tuesdays. All right, let's get the show going because um, it's still Thursday and we want to keep this in one day. So, uh, yeah, let's let's take a little break and we'll come back. Welcome, everybody, to Brian and Me, where we talk about soccer and other things, other podcasty things brian the crew season is finally underway whoa whoa give us a woo give us another one Woo! oh yeah yeah rick flair Woo! nature boy we had a great time at the tailgate and at the match outside of the sunburn we're going to share some highlights and also some lowlights we're looking at you two rash challenges podcast we'll get to that in a minute we got some gears to grind and I'm a grind them. Nothing at all happened in the Premier League last weekend. Um, interesting they decided to not play any games. Um, I thought that was odd. I'm just kidding. Uh, we're going to struggle through emotions. Um, now, it's something that Bryant, he's not struggling anything emotionally because Tottenham being Tottenham. But I'm really going through some things, which we're going to hash out in a little bit. I'm we also have. <laughs> You can't you can't be upset if you can't feel emotions. We also have a very special treat this week with the FA Cupity Cup Cup action on Wednesday, specifically that Norwich City um, Butte versus Tottenham in penalty kicks. We have Columbus Canaries' own Brian Lenoy on the show. Wow! So he's going to be talking with us about Norwich City. We talk about how he started being a soccer fan and how it didn't come naturally to him. Also talking about his involvement with the crew with Quar, and then a fun story that you might have heard us tease last week about him hanging out with some, uh, with some, uh, neo-Nazis. So we're going to start the show off with some cruising. Bryant, tell us a little bit, take us back. Let's jump in the DeLorean. Let's get in the time machine. Take us back to Sunday. Uh, how did, how did it go? I mean, I don't know about you, Thomas, but I had a blast. Um, you know, it started, I know you you talked about, we, we both woke up before our alarms, <laughs> which I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time I've done that. Um, it's been a minute. <laughs> we'll just say, right. it, it, you know, we called it Christmas, but it was really, it really felt again, like being a kid and, you know, being excited to get up on Christmas morning, like an open presence or something. Like I was legit excited i woke up like 30 minutes before my alarm and just could not go back to sleep i was like all right well i guess i'm up um, i'm awake and to be <laughs> fair like as a parent i'm supposed to really love christmas because my kids get gifts and don't get me wrong i do like to see the joy and the wonder in their eyes but me waking up on sunday felt more like like you said a traditional 
childhood Christmas morning because I was just I was stoked so much to the point that I woke up. And if you listen to our bonus podcast, you've already heard this, but I woke up early enough that I went to the sunrise toast just because I was awake. Everybody in the house was asleep. I already had my stuff ready for podcasting and all that. So we just I I had to drive through around downtown anyway. So I just stopped and it was it was just a great day overall. I'll continue, sir. And, you know, like you said, it was just we had so much fun. I mean, it was really awesome to get out there and just get to hang out with folks. You know, we we hung out with, you know, our good friends, uh, the Wallaces, you know, Marion Kelby. Shout out to them and uh, some of some other folks over there that were with their group. Kelby uh, <laughs> burning himself on the space heater. <laughs> Where did he burn himself, Bryant? Uh, on his on his rear end, uh, burn his ass. <laughs> the, uh, or at least the jacket part. I guess it never really made it to his uh, to his butt, but he burnt, burnt the rear of his jacket because he got a little too close to the space heater there. And this was like eight in the morning, so he probably hadn't been drinking that much yet. Um, no, he was just cold, <laughs> which is probably again why he wasn't drinking that much. And then you know, just getting to see them, and then obviously getting to hang out with you know the Queen Anne's folks. I think just just the vibe it was such a celebratory vibe just at the mega tailgate being kind of oh wow what a goal right there in the center of the action sorry i'm watching the she believes cup hell of a goal just then um being right there in the middle of the mega tailgate just feeling feeling the vibe everybody coming by everybody's drinking having a good time there's singing there's there's music coming from various places. If you saw on our social media feed, I busted out some really funky dance moves oh, to, man. Uh, to Lizzo's Truth Hurts. Um, you know, so it was a great time. We got to see babies. Like, who doesn't love cute, cute crew babies? That We even met a baby named Crew. No, we have to call this out. Um, Michael Yeager and Kelsey, they brought their baby, whose name is Crew, spelled just how you think it's spelled this kid was like he's like six months old the cutest kid oh yeah outside of my own that i've seen in a very long time and it was his first crew match crew was at the cruise miss season opener oh you couldn't have you couldn't have written it any better who else uh, we all we also yeah we saw some folks we saw a friend of the great friend of the pod former guest on the pod the better bryant we got to we saw the better Brian, yeah. We got to see the bub, you know, uh, who famously sent us, you know, a really, really great letter. Um, you know, by really my lovely uh, Dustin Funko Pop that sits on my on my desk at work. Got to you know shake his hand, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, give him a hug, thank him in person. You know, got to have a nice conversation with with him and uh, you know his stepson that was there with him and. You know, meeting them was great. Getting to see his stepson like come to his first crew game, talking mm-hmm. about the Beatles, and I know you gave him some Liverpool stuff, which was, which he was pretty excited about. So you know, just the well, whole there's thing. There's a picture later on of the Virgil Van Dyke flag hung up in his room. Which wow, I can't, I can't complain about that. We also got to meet uh, meet his wife. Yes, don't leave her out too. And whenever we hugged him, I'm glad that we survived it because he had a hunting knife in his pocket. Dude was trying to bring a hunting knife into the uh, into the stadium. You know, not not such a great call. Um, no luckily, disclaimer. He did not try to bring it into this. He found out at our podcast, put his hand in his pocket, 
maybe he was trying to find a way to escape and he felt the knife he's like oh wait i gotta put that away so he did responsibly put the knife away i don't want anyone thinking we bryant is out there trying to run up into mopfrey with a with a hunting knife we uh I, th- I think once he once he met us in person and realized we weren't like creeps he realized he could go put the knife away. I, th- I think he, I think at least subconsciously, he brought that for you know for protection, right? He just wanted to make sure we weren't like like weird. And then, oh, that's great. Once we fooled him into thinking we weren't like weird, then he felt comfortable like putting the knife away. Like okay, you know. Um, unfortunately, there at the tailgate, there was also a low light. Thomas, go ahead and tell us about that. Uh, so we, we unfortunately. Ugh. And I stress the unfortunately, um, we we ran into the guys from some podcast called Two Rash Challengers or Two Rash Challenges. I I'm not quite sure. Uh, we met Eric Neal and Dave Lewis, who for some strange reason um, came over and talked to us. And uh, I have a quote. I listened to their most recent episode, which normally I try to listen to podcasts that are listenable. Um, so it was odd that I was listening to them. But in their latest episode, I have a quote for you, and I'm going to read it. Not like they would, because I don't want to be too loud on the audio. But um, I was wondering what to think of them with our interactions only being on Twitter, talking about Bryant and me. I wasn't expecting much, but they totally surprised me. I didn't think they knew anything about football until they said that we were their heroes and they wanted to be like us when we grow up. They gave us a koozie, so shout out to us. That entire quote was them giving themselves a shout out. And we'll talk about the koozie. We'll talk about the prizes that we gave away in a moment. We'll get to that. But first, the only thing that I could get from there that was actually a semblance of reality of what actually happened is the part about growing up because we're considerably younger. Well, and to be fair, the part where they said they didn't think we knew anything about football probably has some, uh, there's probably some truth to that as well, for being honest. But, Shh, Brian, shut up. <laughs> you know, it's, it, you know, like you said, they're shouting themselves out. I mean, they've got to, nobody else is doing it. Oh. So, you know, somebody's got to shout them out about how great they are. If you ever um, want to come on the show and talk about, um, talk about it, we're, we're an open invitation to Eric or Dave. Um, just one of you. We can't have both of you at the same time. Just one of you. Come on the show anytime you'd like. We'd love to have you. Um, well, that was hard to get out. Um, you know what we mean. I mean, they can come on. I don't know about the we'd love to have you bit, but yeah, they they can come on if they want. Um, you, you know, you brought up brought up giving away free stuff, man. We had uh, 50 koozies that we gave away, right? So we had Gone. koozies. At koozies, we had uh, stickers, we had buttons. I saw, uh, you know, I gave out a ton, we had a ton of koozies, right? And after a while, I think I just started walking up to people with with beers in their <laughs> hand that didn't have a koozie, and it was like, hey, you've got a naked beer, I think you need a koozie. Um, some of our co- some of our koozie uh, koozie winners there even got a special prize. Thomas, talk about that. So I have a story for you all. I gave away photos of my senior picture and about half of the koozies, a little over half of the koozies. So about 26, 27, very lucky folks, lucky individuals. I stress the lucky part. Got a photo of me from back in 2004 when I graduated high school. And they were, they were beautiful. 
you had the angst that only a 17 to 18 year old could have in 2004. And then you had some of you got the nice fancy, you know, yearbook photo where I'm smiling and my hair looks all good and stuff. And, um, even now I'm not going to, I did not do this myself. I was asked, but I gave away a couple autographs. Wow. Which probably not worth the, the, the paper that's written on, but still I, I felt, you know, I, I felt good about myself. And in within one of those, uh, within one of those koozies that we gave away, one of your photos had a really good-looking uh, Brian Me sticker on the back Bang. of it, and we actually gave away a prize. We gave away a, a fantastic Queen Anne's Revenge scarf, war scarf. We gave away a gift card to the uh, crew store. Shout out mm-hmm. to Bud, our winner, uh, won that uh, won that gift pack. A Apparently. member of the hive. His daughter is a member of the hive. So him by extension, by genetics, is also a member of the hive. So shout out to the hive. Shout out to Bud for winning that prize pack. And while we were out there, we did get to record a, a you know, kind of a mini pod special, special edition um, surprise guest appearance from uh, the one and only Lorenzo Moultrie. <laughs> there at the beginning. Who might have been inebriated. I will neither confirm nor deny. You'll have to listen to find out. Oh, <laughs> so, you know, go check that out. If you haven't already heard, um, we talk a lot about the kit sponsor. Uh, we talk about the vibe from the tailgate, just try and soak in as much of the atmosphere as we could. So if you haven't already, please go check that out. It's 20 minutes. The audio actually turned out surprisingly great considering we were recording from a parking lot. <laughs> yeah, we wanted that little bit of ambiance. So, yeah. And then after all that, after all the fun that was had in, in the parking lot at the mega tailgate, there was actually a match played. I don't know if you remember that. Um, huh. What were just kind of your, you know, the crew did come out with a one nil win. Uh, lovely, fantastic goal from Zellerayan. Love seeing his career get started that way with the crew. Um, yeah. What were your just kind of some general thoughts you had on the match? So the match was... I think it was sullied early on with that red card. Yeah. Uh, the the red card was, it was right in front of our faces. We actually sat in the lower bowl. We were um, one percenters in the match on Sunday, and we saw the red card firsthand. It was legit. Now, were most of the calls after that legit? Debatable. I think yeah. that once the red card came out, and that's in the fourth minute it happened, New York they replaced their defender with gravity. Gravity became their 11th player. (laughs) And I think they were ready to, you know, batten down the hatches. Um, If they got something on the counter, that's great. But it wasn't, it's not what you want from the first game of the season. Because you kind of, there were, the goal was great. Seeing guys like Vito Wormgore out there playing with Mensa, seeing them work together, seeing Nagby in the middle of the field. He was, he had a ton of tackles. He bested his usual average of tackles. He usually averages under two tackles a year. I think he had, I think it was around six for the first match of the season. So he was amped up. Um, could also tell you the amount of maybe possession that New York was able to get. Um, they had the ball a good amount, but they went down pretty quickly. They went down pretty easily. Um, the crew had their chances. It just, you know, it, it was kind of a a game without much momentum. 
Yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, you mentioned some of the players. Another player that really stood out to me who was all over the place was Milton Valenzuela. I mm. thought he showed he was you know all over the place on defense. He was trying to create. He, he was able to create some chances. I thought it was at least just really good to see him out there. He was moving fast. He looked looked like he's really completely healed from that injury. Thank so he looked really good. I was really impressed with with his play in that game as well. Yeah, I. It's going to be awesome seeing him there. There was inconsistency last year with the defense. Only six players last year for the crew played um, over 30 games, which a 34-game season, normally your starters are playing out there every week. Every week. That doesn't count U.S. Open Cup matches, doesn't count exhibitions, just the season. Our best defender, Mensa, played only 23-24 matches. So... If we can stay healthy, if Valenzuela can be like, he didn't touch the field last year. Right. Him being on the pitch was just amazing. And he was, like you said, the speed was out there. It's like he didn't miss a step from a couple years ago. This is his first real competitive soccer match in the MLS season since, since 2018. So that's a breath of fresh air. If we can keep him healthy, if we can keep our defenders healthy, there's a little knock for Vito towards the end of the match where luckily he just... He was stepped on, and it was kind right. of awkward for him, so we limped. But at first, when we watched it, it looked like the New York defender, while Vita was in the air, kind of um, threw himself into the jump, and it kind of looked like he went low. And I was afraid, because we didn't see the replay. They didn't show the replay in the stadium. I haven't had a chance to go back and rewatch the match, because who does? <laughs> who does have the time to rewatch a match? But he, um, I thought he might have landed on his leg weird, awkwardly. And I thought, oh, no, not in his first match. You can't get hurt like right. this in first match. But luckily, he's fine. Everything is good there. It was getting three points on the beginning of the season for a team that you know, I wrote a preview for um, the Massive Report. And my preview for the match was dead on, 100% Nailed accurate. Nailed it. Go. You don't even have to go back and check. But it was perfect. And um, even called the red card out, all that. But they're a team that has to gel with so many new players. You have three, if you count Milton, four new players pretty much starting together to start the season off. So they're all talented. They're at this level. Zellerayon, he's our highest purchase ever. So this team is not slouches. They're a group of solid players who all have international or experience overseas, excuse me, um, so getting them to gel together, getting a win in your first match is just is just great. Well, they've only scratched the surface. I think they're going to be in matches where they're scoring a lot more than one goal per match. And if well, the defense and, stays solid, I think we can get a lot more shutouts, even with 11 men, not just 10. Well, and not to mention, you know, you talked about getting three points, but getting three points from a team that, you know, spoiler alert, we're going to talk with, uh, with Brian a little later, and he may or may not have picked the team that we just took three points from to – finish pretty high in the Eastern Conference standings, you'll have to listen to find out where he picks them to finish. But oh. he may have picked them to finish pretty high. So to take three points away from from a team that we could be competing against, uh, you know, in the upper tier of the Eastern Conference this season, I think is, is a pretty big deal. Um, oh, yeah. So kind of moving on from, you know, a game that happened last week, to the possibility of, are we going to have a game this week? <laughs> so the, yeah, the 
uh, maybe a, a victim of the coronavirus. And before we get into it, we're not making light of anything that's going on right now. Anything that's the seriousness of the situation, because there are people that are impacted by it. Now, sure. we don't talk about politics on here anymore because we're trying to be respectful of people's needs. And I'm fine with that. But throwing not necessarily politics, but media involved in it, could it necessarily be stretched further than it needs to be reported? Should we report on things like this? Yes. Yes. Should we be scared 24-7? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. But anyway, we say that before we talk about this, that we are not putting anything in in jest. But we are here to share some news, some important news that really just came down the wire. And it's not necessarily news, but I feel like it's going to turn into something. Yeah. First off, wash your hands, people. Just in general. I know we got a flu going on. I saw a dude in the bathroom the other day, real quick. Um, We were at the sink. I'm like singing in my head. I'm singing. Africa. I've I've washed my hands more in the last week. I think this is just a big lotion company scam to get our hands super dry. He put his hand under the water for like half a second. And I was like, well, not today, Satan. I got out of that bathroom as quick as I could because I'm not getting around that guy with the nasty, dirty hands. Anyway, continue. (laughs) Fantastic article I shared, by the way, of how you should wash your hands and to what length. Go check it out on our Twitter feed. Um, so the crew are in Seattle uh, this weekend. They're playing the Sounders, uh, the inventors of, of football in America, by yes. the way. No, uh, in the world, yes. Oh, yes, the world, excuse me. Um, which also currently is, I think, ground zero for the coronavirus in, in the States. It's mm-hmm. it's the city that's had the most reported cases so far. Um, uh, some of the large corporations that are based out of there, I know Google and Amazon, uh, a couple others have basically told their employees to work from home for at least the next month over fears of this. So this is, this is a big deal there. Um, it's like 70,000 employees altogether, yeah. Right. The crew released a statement uh, this evening on Twitter basically saying that, uh, you know, as of right now, the, their plan is still to uh, to play the game. They're still planning to travel to Seattle. They're still planning to play the game. They're going to – but at the same time, they're going to be very closely monitoring the situation. Um, yeah. When you and I discussed it before the pod, you said that sounded um, – pretty ominous what stood out with that to you just saying monitoring it which it's a statement but really a non-statement i think from the things that are happening we live in columbus where the arnold classic is a huge event visited by over 80 people from over 80 countries it's a worldwide fitness and um you know lifting they have yoga events they had a futsal tournament they had all these different things going on and most of it's been canceled except for the main like the main competition where only family can come to the competition, but the, the expo is done. You said uh, you have a friend of yours who has a friend who works in Columbus, which is odd that you have a friend from Florida who has a friend in Columbus, but you don't know them. And they work at a hotel where they've had over 350 cancellations Yeah, they're, of hotels. Yeah. So people yeah. were losing, Columbus is losing a ton of money from it, but it's because of, because of safety. But when they bring, up where like we're monitoring the situation, it means there is a situation. There right. is a problem going on. And 
I feel like, and this is not coming from any source, I don't have any information that supports this, I would not be shocked if, A, the match gets canceled, yeah. or two, if they do go out to the match, which um, Jacob Myers from the Dispatch reported that they are going to go out a day later. Instead of leaving on um, Friday, they're going to go out, uh, or excuse me, on Thursday, they're going to go out on Friday. So they're not going as early as they were going to. I think that, combined with the statement, makes me believe that we could see changes in the next 24 hours. And again, that's not going off of any information. I'm not sharing any secrets that I know because I know nothing. I am on um, the bottom of the totem pole, which if you think about totem poles, actually the top is the least important, but the saying is on the bottom of the totem pole. Anyway, I don't, I'm not privy to all of the secret inside information, but just my gut feeling, I wouldn't be shocked if they don't travel out there at all. Yeah. Yeah, it would it wouldn't shock me. I kind of felt the same way when they when they say exactly the phrasing you said. We're monitoring the situation. That that kind of makes me think. I would be too shocked if they said, "Hey, you know, we're gonna hold off on this, postpone the game for you know later in this, trying to do a makeup game later in the season." Or, you know, I hope they wouldn't play one less game just because you know I hate how that would potentially affect oh, yeah. them in the standings. But uh, they're not gonna do that. Yeah, try try and reschedule is is kind of the hope. I think that. That they'll look at now, you know. Speaking of the crew, obviously on this episode, one thing we've talked about, we've got our good friend Brian Lenoy coming on from the Quar, Queen Anne's Revenge, to uh, to talk with yeah. us. So we're gonna go ahead and bring Brian on and enjoy this fantastic interview. All right, everybody, we are excited to have our next guest here on the podcast. This is somebody that we've talked about on the podcast. His name uh, has been mentioned, so you've heard your name. And Brian is one of our uh, one of the tens of loyal listeners of Brian and me. So if you listen to his podcast, odds are you're going to get on one of these episodes. But we have Norwich City supporter, crew supporter, and really all around great guy, Brian Lenoy. Brian, how are you doing tonight? I am doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, anytime. Absolutely. We are we are happy to have you. Um, you are part of the Queen Anne's Revenge. So you are the second QAR or QAR member to be on the show. But um, don't tell John. You're our favorite. I won't tell John. Good Thank thing you. he lives in Maryland. He, he lives in Maryland, yes. Although, uh, I did have lunch with them today. I uh, was sorry I could not join you guys. We were sorry, too. But anyway, enough about us. We're having a lot of friendly conversation, which is fine. But people want to know more about you. Brian, tell us about you and kind of how you got your love of the game of soccer. So growing up um, I, in New Jersey, I grew up in kind of a Polish neighborhood where most of the guys uh, played soccer. But I did not. Um, I was more into baseball and football. And it wasn't until I actually moved to Ohio, so maybe about 12 years ago, that I started having my love and passion for soccer. Um, my first experience actually going to a live soccer match was a crew game, going, taking my kids to a, a WASA-sponsored kind of event. And from that moment forward, I've just kind of fell in love with soccer and kind of lost a little bit of interest in, in baseball and football. And soccer now, as my family says, is my addiction. So I follow, <laughs> you know, whether it's MLS, Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga, you know, I kind of follow, I have a team everywhere, every country that I like, and 
I'm up, you know, seven in the morning, Saturdays and Sundays, watching matches and kind of absorbing as much as I can and, um, you know, see what I can get off Twitter and Facebook and everything else. So I'm kind of all in 24-7, 365. That's awesome. And when you – you mentioned Bundesliga and La Liga. Who are your teams in those? Because I don't think we ever talked about that before. No, no. So in the Bundesliga, obviously, I've got to go with the black and gold colors, and it's Dortmund. Okay. That's fair. And La Liga, I mean, you have to go with Barcelona. So <laughs> You have to. Well, have okay. To. Messi, you have to. You know, you, you do, as long as you know. You're up three goals to zero. There's no, all you need is one goal, right? That's it. All right. I'm not going to go into that. He'll be, he'll be talking about that for the rest <laughs> of his life. So <laughs> I, have to gra- I have to grasp onto anything I can get, Brian. Oh, please. <laughs> World's smallest violin playing over here. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so, you know, we talk a lot about, obviously, the career of the Premier League. So I know that you are a big uh, Norwich City fan, which... Um, obviously newly promoted this season. What got you in? Why Norwich? What got you, what got you into them? So as my kind of soccer fandom spread, um, I didn't really have a premier league team and, um, the 2011, 2012 season, uh, I believe maybe it was 12, 13 Norwich actually got promoted up from, uh, the championship. And I didn't want to be a bandwagon guy and kind of jump on one of the top six teams. I figured, well, let me, jump on a guy that got newly uh, newly promoted. And being that they were yellow and I liked the crew, and although they're yellow and green and not yellow and black, um, I'm like, I'm going to go be all in for Norwich. So that's kind of where it started from. So I just kind of picked a random team because of the colors. I know like girls usually do that when they're like picking a team. <laughs> um, but So that's how I kind of picked Norwich. And then kind of learning the history about them. And, and you know, after following them that, that first season and they kind of stayed up, I think they finished 12th that year. In the table, which is pretty good for a team that is historically known for not spending any money. Um, and they survived for about three seasons up in the Premier League before they got relegated back down. So um, that's kind of how it started. And like I said, um, they've had some great players come through. Um, they're a great feeder system to some of the bigger teams. A lot of their young talent always gets sold off because that's how we can kind of stay afloat for a very, very small market, small city in England. So that's kind of how I became an Orange fan. Nothing very glorious. It's just really the colors and timing, I guess, was kind of perfect. Yeah. But I've been and all I, in I, since then. I don't think a beautiful kit is gender-specific. I think any any gender can get behind a, a beautiful kit. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I do love the Norwich kit. It's it's something to behold. It, I mean, if the Wolves came up that year, that would have been fucking old, right? Probably would have been right. Watford, though. Watford is more yellow and red. I mean, they do have a lot more uh, yellow and black, but they have some red in there as well. So it could have been Watford if it was like two years later. Yeah, Wolves is more of a school bus yellow or orange, yeah. as some people An call it. Color. Yes, yeah. So speaking of uh, Norwich City, there's no coincidence why you're on the podcast today. It might be because they just won a FA Cup match this week against somebody's favorite um, Premier League team. I don't know who that could be. Um, mm-hmm. No, Liverpool lost to somebody else, which we don't yeah. need to talk about that. Um, Brian, Something uh, about a hot spur, I believe. Oh, oh so... Yes, totting. <laughs> totting him. Uh, it's no coincidence that you're on this week. No, but seriously, it was, it was a... I wouldn't even say a fun match. I think as a Norwich City supporter, you really like the outcome. You're not going to complain about the outcome of that match. It, the match itself was 
Well, Brian, you tell us. How, how did you how did you think about that match yesterday? Well, we're recording little... this on Thursday, by the way, people. So, sure. Wednesday. So, you know, it was a little bit frustrating because a lot of times, you know, we were playing pack in the bus kind of defensive mode and, and absorbing a lot of pressure. We're, we are known for kind of a counter counter striking mm-hmm. team and sort of the way the crew plays with one being possession based. Um, we do a lot of that building out of the back and trying to exploit the flanks and, you know, attack with uh, a million passes and land of many crosses. Um, so when we could ab- absorb and, you know, Tottenham had a bunch of shots on goal that um, yeah. whether Godfrey saved one with, it looked like his back, he kind of turned into it and it ricocheted off his back and cruel did have a couple good saves um, within the game um, yeah. besides the, you know, the penalty kicks and everything later. But you no, know, it was a really, really fun game to watch. I watched it last night. Um, and unfortunately, like I said a little bit earlier, I did not actually see the ca- the penalty kick phases because I fell asleep. But uh, we all know the outcome of that. So, yeah, that was um, I, I turned it on right as they scored that, right as Norwich scored the goal. And honestly, it was not it was not the prettiest goal in the world. But it counts oh, no, just I mean, the he, same as it uh, it's it's off a ones. off a huge uh, Michelle Vorm mistake there. <laughs> but hey, goal's a goal. Goal's a goal. I mean, it, he kind of rolled to him, and it looked like he kicked it, but then tripped over it, and it went across the line. So yeah. we'll take it. You know, yeah. we've struggled all year to score goals. Uh, Pookie's got eleven, and I think Cantwell has six, and I I can't think of another guy that probably has more than one or two. So um, any goal we can get is a, a good goal. I, I believe like our goal differential in the league is like negative 29 or negative 30 or something like that. So it's pretty bad. Uh-huh. We're definitely not scoring uh, a boatload of goals. Um, but when we do score them, we do take out some big teams, right? Like we beat Man City early in the year. Yeah. Uh, we just had a nice run against Leicester a couple, well, I guess last weekend. So uh, um, Liverpool a run for their money a few weeks ago when we hung out and watched that game together. So yeah. It, it's funny, we can run with the big boys a little bit, and maybe some of those teams take us for granted, but then we really lay an egg when it comes to the bottom-of-the-table dwellers that you know we should beat because we played them and beat them last year to get promoted in the first place and then just can't do anything against them. So it's a little bit frustrating in that aspect. But Yeah, you're, I was going to say, you guys are, you've been giant killers this year in the Premier League, which, as a Liverpool fan, I, I highly support. And I thank you very much for that. But in the FA Cup, you you guys are having really a kind of magical magical story yeah. so far. Yeah, I'm excited. I think it's the um, the stat I heard last night or this morning was it's the furthest we've gone uh, through the tournament in the last 29 years. And I know oh, now awesome. with the draw, we're we're playing Man United um, oh, during the next match. So that'll be a tough one. I was kind of hoping more for Derby County, um, but bring on Rooney, but it's not happening. We're going to have Rooney's former, uh, and uh, they walloped us a little bit last time around. Uh, I want to say it was 3 or 4 nil. So mm-hmm. hopefully um, maybe they'll rest some of their starters, um, and we can take advantage of that. We've got nothing yeah, to they... play for, right? So we can just let That's it all true. kind of hang out and try to win, you know, win this. Obviously we're in a position, we're going to get relegated. Um, unless for some miracle, we can rattle off five wins out of our next 10 matches, which yes. could happen. I guess anything's possible, but doesn't look likely. So back down to the, um, but if we can make a nice strong run into the FA cup, at least 
give our fans something to cheer about back home in in jolly old England. Yeah, I mean the um, championship. It's not over until it's over. You're still mathematically in it, but yeah, the FA Cup, Man United, they're they're not looking bad lately. <laughs> they've actually shown. No. Yeah, some no, the, better form over the last few weeks, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to transfer yes. over to the FA Cup because they're looking to, they want to get into Europe next year, the big Europe, not you not you know racist Russia two a.m. Europa League matches. <laughs> that is so true, and it's not like guys are playing for jobs. Most of our starters and the eighteen players in the eighteen are all locked up for next year, unless you know somebody comes knocking and wants to buy one of our younger guys. So they're going to be with us down in the championship. So we can just kind of let it all hang out, see if we can win this FA Cup or at least get to the finals. Yeah, and you, you mentioned when we were talking to the bar, you gave us, well, you gave me, excuse me, a ton of Norwich information, like the team doesn't have debt. The team is not in a position to where they came up to the Premier League, bought up all of these players, and now we're going to be in dire straits whenever they have to go back to the championship, lose players, lose money. That's not their thing. And actually, you told me what their original plan was, and they're actually ahead of plan for what they wanted to do. Is that right? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're kind of two years ahead of plan. So when they brought in wow. uh, the manager from Dortmund, because he was the coach of Dortmund too when Klopp was there. So there's a little bit of connection between uh, your team and my team. Um, they laid out this five-year plan of – how they're going to get back to the Premier League and what they're going to do. And they did it basically in, in two years. So they are you know, still two years sort of ahead of schedule. So it was kind of a shock that they had the run that they had last year. Um, I think they got 94 points to get promoted. Um, you know, finished first, so we didn't have to worry about the play-ins or anything else. The, the last time we got promoted back in 15, I believe we finished in fifth or sixth. So we really had to play the the play-in games um, in order to get promoted, and you know we were up and down this kind of the same year. So you said you said you did get to watch because I, I watched the match uh, match yesterday uh, with no audio. So I, I was at work. Um, I've I've got a job where I can't necessarily like I'm on a I work in basically a call center, so I can't uh, like put my headphones in, right, listen to the audio from the game. So I, I watched the first half with audio because I was on a break, and then I watched uh, the second half all the way through PKs with no audio on. So, But watching the game, one thing I think that really stood out to me with both teams is just kind of the slog that that extra time was. I mean, it was – did you notice that as well? Just guys looked exhausted, could barely move. Yeah, they, they look actually towards um, even the, just the end of the regulation time. A lot of the guys look beat because they, they were running very, very hard. Uh, and right. you guys, the last probably 10 minutes of the match really put a lot of pressure on. And I thought you were going to get that go-ahead goal. And um, thank God we, uh, we, we kind of packed it in and, and absorbed all that pressure. And that's one of the things that seems like Norwich has been doing all year is they come out pretty strong. They can hold an opponent nil-nil or 1-1 at the half. And then it seems like in the second half of the match, you know, between that 60th and 80th minute, they tend to give up the give up the lead. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that was going to happen again yesterday, but, you know, they held on. And I guess with the new rule this year, you can make that kind of fourth sub and add a time, so that helped us a little bit. Um, yeah. And then, you know, Cruel just came up big. He was a beast. 
for us yeah. yesterday. So, what were you what were you thinking when it went into PKs? Um, knowing how well Cruel can kind of guess right on a PK, um, I had a lot of confidence that we could come out. Okay. Um, unfortunately, like I haven't seen a lot of matches where our players have had to take PKs, and usually Pookie takes them. Right. And with him being on the bench, I wasn't sure how the guys were going to do it. You know, Cantwell, I believe, is like 20 or 21, and uh, Ada is like 19, and these young kids are stepping up and, you know, nailing them. So I was excited about that. And, you know, it's just a huge win for the 9,000 fans that traveled to the match. Sure. Um, it was, you know, kind of insane. I, I saw some video this morning um, where people were recording the reaction and the one guy like threw his phone up in the air. So who knows if he actually uh, <laughs> ever found it. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> yeah. I, it's funny that you said you felt confident. Cause I think me just being a Spurs fan and generally pessimistic, um, I was like, Oh, this is going to penalties. Oh, there's no way in hell. <laughs> I mean, <I'm> just like, <laughs> as soon as it went to penalties, I was like, do I really even want to watch this? All right. Yeah. I'm going to watch it, but I'm, I'm not going to like it. <laughs> and the announcers even set it up that way too. They said before Tottenham started, they say the team that usually starts the penalty kicks has a better chance of winning. And I thought, oh, don't put the nails in the coffin, for Tottenham. Don't do that because Tottenham started it, and yeah. Dyer came out strong. Yeah. But you mentioned Cruel being good at penalty kicks. There's a photo that went around. I saw it this morning from the two Robbies. It had written down on his water bottle. Genius, so he watched right? his. He watched his film. It said what direction these guys normally go. And, I mean, I didn't verify if those guys actually went the direction that was on the water bottle. But the guy, obviously, like you said, he's got prowess with penalty kick stopping. Because probably he's somebody who does the research. He's watching tape, and he's seeing where these guys go. Yeah, I read an article he did, um, I guess, with Sky Sports um, over lunch today. And he said that him and the goalkeeper coach did a lot of scouting. And, you know, he had basically, I think, like eight or nine names listed on the water bottle with what direction they go. And he actually mixed two of them up. But one of them was the one that he saved. So, you know, <laughs> I guess it's a little bit of dumb luck. But, you know, that's ingenious for him to do that, you know, heading into a match like this. I don't I don't think that's illegal to do. So I don't know why more goalkeepers don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, that doesn't seem like it's anything illegal that was done but he has a history on the, with the national team he's got he history does. with these penalty kicks so it's it was hard for and i feel bad for tottenham and i'm not saying this like to to jab at tottenham but they're down a lot of offense they've had a rough few months losing guys and you had a very young team like whenever norwich scored again i thought tottenham doesn't have the the, the personnel to score on these guys they're like i i just it felt like extra time and penalty kicks were inevitable. And then you had kids that were, you mentioned Norwich's ages, but Troy Parrott, Brian, how old is he? I believe he's nine. He's uh, just turned 19. Yeah. So you have legit, like can't drink in the United States, can barely vote in the United States age kids uh, taking this really important kick, which if you make it, they're a goat. And if they lose it, it's the manager's fault. And they never should have put him in there in the first place. But who else do you go to in that position? I mean, I, I respect the hell out of the kid in the sense that, like you you talked about, I mean, it was very Spursy, and that's such a way to get his kind of Spurs career going is doing that. But I like at least his makeup in the sense that 
you know, when Mourinho asked who wants, you know, trying to get volunteers, the fact that he wants to be the guy, I think mm-hmm. bodes well for his future if we don't break him <laughs> mentally. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was cool. I was that he, our fan base has been like begging to get him in because we don't have, he's a, he's a striker. He, he's the kind of lead striker for the Irish national team and we don't have a natural striker. So having yeah. him, we've been begging to get him in and Mourinho keeps saying, no, he's not ready. No, he's not ready. And then of course, after he, he does that, Mourinho came out and said, see, I told you guys he wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, is he wrong? <laughs> no, clearly <laughs> it's, it's just such a Mourinho thing to do. Like, Oh yeah. See, he told you guys. Oh, I was actually great. shocked that he sat down through the whole penalty kicks. I saw some video where he was, you know, the whole Tottenham bench and, and coaching staff and everybody was lined up along the the touchline. And uh, he was just sitting back in the chair, kind of watching on this little like iPod screen or iPad screen that what was going on in the match, which I, I thought was kind of shocking. We've already broken him. <laughs> do you, do you too, think Mourinho knew? Do you think Jose knew? Do you think going in with this lineup, do you think, oh, this is going to be tough? Or was he just, he's been in so many pressure situations, it just doesn't, kind of rolls off his back. I, th- I think he knew he's, it's going to be tough. I mean, you've got him talking about, um, you know, this weekend, right, we've got a champion, we've got a Champions League game next week, we've got a a match with Burnley this week, and he said publicly, like, I'm going to the to leadership and asking them, which game do you want me to concentrate on really winning here? Because I don't have the personnel to to really push it and probably indefinitely win both. So yeah, yeah, and honestly, the FA Cup. No offense, it. Uh, I'm not diminishing anything Norwich did, but if you're comparing getting to Europe next year, advancing in the Champions League, and the FA Cup, you kind of know what the natural third place oh, is. Oh, I'm, I'm I'm gonna take either of those two. I mean, I want to win something. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I've I've, my Spurs fandom, I've never seen Spurs win a goal. And was I pissed at the time that they lost? Absolutely. Um, but if I've got a choice of the three, you know, win the FA Cup, advance the Champions League, or, you know, finish finish top four, it, it's going to be the other two first for sure. Let's talk about some winning outside of Norwich City. Um, let's talk about the crew, Brian. You are... A crew fan. You said you went back to your first game, what, 2009, 2010? 2008, 2008. So the year they won the Cup. So it was all really kind of fate, kind of moving to Ohio, going to the crew games. Uh, my first game, I think, was like early September of that year. So after going mm-hmm. to that first match, we probably went to three or four more regular season games. Um, got to go to the playoff game against Chicago um, when we won it at home. And the then, game, you know, yeah, that was game, a big one. Right, the Brian McBride kind of comeback tour uh, when he came back to the Crew Stadium in the enemy colors. Um, he thought he won it against the Crew, but then not so fast, my friend. Not so fast. <laughs> so, you know, then going on and winning the Cup that year. So it was kind of this glorious, you know, oh my God, this is my first kind of championship winning you with s- Crew, you know, with soccer. And this was awesome. And, you know, we had a great year then. The following year, winning back-to-back supporters, Shield, and, you know, making the playoffs and... Even in 2010, having another kind of strong year, you know, bouncing out early of the playoffs, but still mm-hmm. a strong year. And you know, then we had a couple. Eh, not so we don't have years, to talk about this. Yeah, but starting, about this, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> starting your starting your crew career off with a uh, with a double of a supporter shield and the MLS Cup, which not a lot of teams have done. 
That crew is isn't very. I think it's maybe two or three teams, maybe. Galaxy and DC United, maybe? Possibly. Yeah. I thought a more recent team has done it, but was it did Atlanta do it two years or two years ago? I don't I think can't. they've won a supporter shield though. Because I thought um they, the Red Bulls won that year. They won the Atlanta won the cup. I thought the Red Bulls won the supporter shield. Oh, uh, right, 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 right. You're fair. You're, you're right, right. Um, let's talk about the crew, though. We don't need to talk about Atlanta or New York. We'll talk about New York in a minute because you have a fun story. I've got a great uh, that story we, that we want you to share. But you're a crew fandom. You are part of Quar or Queen Anne's Revenge, if you say the entire name out. How did uh, how did that get started? Um, you know, so I lived outside of Ohio for the past about eight years. Uh, my family was here when I was commuting back and forth for work. So I was down in Texas and you know went to FC Dallas games and lived in New York for a while, so went to a bunch of Red Bull games. And I came back, and went, during the whole Save the Crew movement, I took the pledge to buy two season tickets, and I wanted to get involved in a kind of a supporter group. And I live in, in Westerville, so a kind of northeast suburb of Columbus, and was trying to find a supporter group that wasn't really the Nordec um, at the time. And saw the Dublin crew cats and was texting somebody uh, about that. And I said, Oh, you need to go talk to this guy, John, John. So I met him at, uh, where was the supporter summit last year? Land grant, I think had it at their brewery. And I, you know, was talking to John then and we kind of hit it off and I kind of just joined Quar from that point on. Yes. We have more people saying Quar, and you also, you also made um, pancakes by the way on Sunday. Oh, Which, they were they were horrible. They were bad. I, really good bacon, really bad pancakes. No, I, I give yourself a little more credit. You were um, in a pressure situation. First one of the year, the tailgates moved into the mega tailgate area. It it was it was tough, but I regardless, I thought you did an outstanding job, and I would not have shared the tent with anybody else uh, manning that. that grill hey, anytime. That. So you do have a storied history with soccer you said that you grew up in new jersey right. you became a crew fan but then you've seen games in texas you've gone to um, red bull games you've gone to games pretty much all over the country you're planning on going out to one right this year to dc to see right. dc united so you're you're a fan who's well versed in in the club but there's a specific story you told me when we were at endeavor yes. and that story prompted me like we already wanted you on the pod but i thought we need to have this story on the podcast. So please um, paint us a picture, spin us a yarn. Tell us about your experience in the New York Red Bull supporter section. Okay. So their supporter section is really three giant sections, and they are led by Capos, which I know people have varying opinions on Capos leading the chance and things like that. Um, but one of the guys I worked with at my former company um, was a Red Bull season ticket holder. And He's like, hey, you want to come out to a game with me? Because he knew I was a you know, soccer fan. I always used to tease him about how you know, we beat the Red Bulls in 08 and all that kind of good stuff. And they've never won a championship or anything. <laughs> and um, I, I don't remember exactly. I think it's called the Empire State Supporter Group or something. And um, he put me inside the aisle. So I was probably like the third seat in. And all these guys are dressed in black and they're chanting and they're screaming. And this is kind of the first game that I'm sitting in their supporter section. And the capo stand is probably we're in the second row capo stands right in front of us. 
Oh, and you're I, in the second row. I envisioned you being row. like halfway no. up. Oh my god. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. So second row. So right in the so front. Right in the front. Yeah, so much better. So it starts off and they're starting doing their chants, and I'm just kind of standing there. And when they switch capos, which they do about every like three chants, the guy comes up in front of me and he's like, and I'm not gonna swear, but you know, he used some very four-letter colorful words saying, like, you need to be chanting. And I'm like, I don't know your chance. I'm sorry. And he's like, you need to learn a chance. And I'm like, whoa, like, calm down, bro. Like, it's the first match here. Like, way to make me feel welcome and, you know, <laughs> invited. <Yeah. laughs> and my friend is just, like, laughing at me because he knew he knew exactly what he was getting me into. And then, like, in the 75th minute or so, so all these big, brawly guys. And listen, I'm not a small guy, um, but these guys are much bigger than me. Rip off their black T-shirts. And they're all sweaty and, and they're kind of like creating a mosh pit in this section. And they're like screaming and chanting. And I'm like, dude, I go to my friend. I'm like, what the hell did you get me in for? And he's like, totally back <laughs> up. So I'm getting bounced around like, you know, like a little bouncy ball here with these guys. And, you know, um, since then, though, I think they've lost their um, supporter group status as being like officially um, sanctioned or authorized by the team. Um, so, again, you know, not that there are bad people or anything, but I think they just had some run-ins with the front office and security staff, and there may have been a broken seat or two in, in that section that may or may not have, you know, been caused by some moshing that they've did. But, yeah, so my kind of first Red Bull game was just, like, this crazy, crazy event that, you know, I expect that when you go to, like, a Metallica concert, not a Red Bull game. <laughs> Maybe a Metallica <laughs> concert in the 80s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I've gone to many, by the way. I've gone to many Metallica concerts, so I know. Oh, that's great. So pretty much the way you explain it to me, and I love getting the additional details um, about, you didn't mention them ripping off their shirts. You mentioned the the mosh pitting and all that, which is just, I'm, I'm visualizing it, and it's great. But the way you pretty much said it to us, to me, excuse me, was they put me in a neo-Nazi supporters group. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's just what it basically that, was. That like, yeah. These guys are all dressed in black. You know, the Red Bull, Red Bull colors are white and red. And these guys are all in black <laughs> clad, like jeans and sweatshirts and, you know, almost like biker guys, right? That's what I'm standing with a bunch of, you know, thank God they didn't have chains on them. Otherwise, I probably would have been whipped and beaten um, you know, for not knowing the chance, you know? <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, but I that's, learned the chant. Yeah. By the next time I went, I knew the chant, so I could at least sing along because I did not want to get yelled at again. It was very embarrassing. The chants didn't, didn't involve say. anything, say like anti-Semitic or anything. Right? No, no, no. They were nothing anti-Semitic. Nothing anti-Semitic. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's no, the they, wrong they're not like the New York City supporters that have uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Proud oh. Boys. Exactly. And I can tell oh, you a good no. story about that too. So I, I went to. Um, the crew match against New York City, and it was not in Yankee Stadium because I think the Yankees had a playoff game there. So they moved it over to uh, City Field where the Mets play. Yeah. And this was right about the, you know, the whole Save the Crew movement. And there were a lot of guys, New York City fans, that would, you know, would come up to any of the crew people that were there and you know, buy us a beer. You know, I traded scarves with somebody, so I've got a New York City scarf, and most of them are very, very um, welcoming. But then this one guy comes up to me, you know, and I'm just kind of standing there minding my own business. He's like, I hope your effing team does move to Austin because you guys suck. And I'm like, okay, where's the love? Like, you know, we're, we're the number one, you know, team, founding team in the league. You know, you, you kind of just bought your way in with some Man City money, and uh, you don't even have a, 
a real home, you play in baseball stadiums, and then you get relocated because you can't play in your home stadium. And then look at this year, like they couldn't even play a home match in New York City. They had to play their CCL match in, in Red Wall Arena. So, you know. <laughs> no uh, no pun intended for, for where they play, but it's it's the classic case of thinking you hit a home run. Exactly. But you were born on third base, so it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> doesn't mean too much. All right, so last last thing before we call this um, time, because honestly, we've we've enjoyed having you on here, and we could probably pick your brain for all the different stories you have for hours and hours. But then um, our podcast, well, actually, that'll probably be the shortest podcast we've ever done if we let Brian <laughs> share stories for hours and hours. But um, anywho. Your thoughts for the crew this season. Where do you see this club ending the season at? Who do you think is going to be kind of the standout player for the club? At the end of the year, What's uh, what are the crew doing? Are they watching the playoffs? Are they lifting up silverware? What are your thoughts? Um, so where they finish, I believe we can finish third or fourth in the table in the East. Um, I, I, I honestly think New York City is going to probably come in first. Um Philly looks pretty strong, so I think they could come in second. Um, with the, all the problems Atlanta have, they're, I don't know if Atlanta's going to make the playoffs this year, to be honest with you. So I think we'll probably finish third or fourth in the table. Um, can we make it all the way to MLS Cup? You know, it's a silly season when the second half of the year starts. So if we're hot at the right time, I think we could probably make it all the way through. Um be great to win for our last kind of full season at Mafrai. We'll we'll see what happens. Um, and then, like, kind of as for players, I'm excited about. Um, I really want to see a full year of Diaz, and you know Milton coming back. I'm a big fan of Milton Downs well, and you can see kind of after the first match um, what we missed last year in him. You know, no offense to Waylon Francis or Hector Jimenez, but having Milton back out there patrolling that left side of the pitch is just like crazy and. I have a feeling he's probably going to get about 10 assists this year, and hopefully he'll knock one or two in the, the back of the net himself. He's just like a breath of fresh air on that left side of the field. I couldn't agree with you more. Once you get to the playoffs, anything's possible. That's correct. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And again, if, if we have a higher seat and we don't have to play as many games and you know we get a home match or two, uh, you know all those things kind of play in our favor because you know during the playoffs, we are a fortress. So, Yeah. All you got to do is get there. All right, Brian. Brian Lenoy, everybody. Th- thank you so much for being on the podcast. We, uh, we're we excited to have the Columbus Canaries with us. Uh, we're excited to have the Quar Chef in our midst. Um, we're excited to see you out at the tailgate more this year and really just um, getting to know you and the rest of the folks there, mostly you. Um, I, I won't give so. everybody in the Queen Anne's Revenge credit. Um, you're a nice guy. <laughs> the other folks, it, it might take some time to warm up. But thank you so much for taking the time and talking to two schmucks. Hey, thanks. And don't forget, join us at uh, North High Brewing for our away watch parties this year. Yeah, Absolutely. so if if there's a match on Saturday night, um, you that can go correct. watch it. You can go watch it there. Oh, gosh. Oh, don't man. get me started right. on the coronavirus, but thanks. Thanks for having me on, guys, and we'll see you at the next That's uh, our other podcast. Mega Tailgate. <laughs> That's thanks our other podcast. On, we dissect All right, I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. See you, Brian. See you. Take care. And we're back, Brian. Actually, yeah, that was a fantastic interview. Thank you again for Brian for being on the podcast, for taking time out to hang out with the two of us. When you've got a life, you've got a family, um, you've got a lot more important things to do than spend time with us. So we we thank you 
for taking the time out. And I hope you learned a little bit something about Norwich City because because um, I know I did. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess that's the end of the show, right, Brian? There's nothing else to talk about. Nothing else happened in the soccer world that we care about. So let's just finish the show off. Go ahead, Bryant. So, Thomas, don't think you're getting out of here that easily. Um, We're done. No, we talked about yes. everything. We talked about the crew, Norwich City, Tottenham. There's no other There's... teams to talk about that we care about. No, so typically the show revolves around me being miserable and worried and annoyed and sad and all kinds of various emotions that Tottenham puts me through. Um, but now it's time to to discuss some happenings over the last few weeks with Liverpool. <sighs> okay, well, Brian, everything that I talked about a few weeks ago is happening. I told you that I feel like at any moment, I feel like we're on, I'm on the edge of a cliff. And at any moment, it's all going to just come tumbling down. <laughs> tumbling down. We had that two-week break. Since we've come back from that two-week break, um, we beat Norwich 1-0, to but it was not a convincing 1-0 to match. We had a wet spam win in there somewhere, which yada yada, whatever. But we lost to Atletico 0-1, to playing the Champions League next week. We lost to Watford 0-3 to the day before Christmas. That is definitely an oof if I've ever heard of an oof. And then just on Tuesday this week, we lost to Chelsky. Oh, zero no. to two. Like, it's all coming down. The dominoes are falling. My feet, my toes are getting closer and closer off the side of that edge. It's all going to happen, Bryant. So what what ultimately is your fear here? My fear is that it all um, comes crashing down. And we lose this, uh, uh, we lose this big insurmountable quote, quote unquote insurmountable lead, and it becomes very surmountable. Now, Brian, I'm going to ask you: Do you think I'm being a little irrational? I think you're being completely irrational. You're wrong. Uh, <laughs> Let me ask you this: Because we'll, and, and again, we're not going to make light of it too much. But which is more likely? Uh, Liverpool actually loses all these games. The they lose the lead and, uh, you know, somebody comes up and takes the title. Or they don't win the trophy because the rest of the season gets canceled because of the coronavirus. Um, I think the likelihood of the virus is better. So you think that you see a, a chance where they get, say, like uh, Montreal Expoed? Um <laughs> No, I think that we're going to lose all those points, and then the season's going to be canceled. <laughs> You'll have a one-point lead going into the last week. I feel like Benedict Cumberbatch. I feel like Tony Stark is looking over at me. And I've seen all of the different things that could happen. I've seen all of the different futures. Are there any of them that, you know, show that we win? And I've seen a billion of them, and then I hold up the, you know, only one. I feel like I'm look. I'm living in that only one scenario, except for it's the only one scenario where Liverpool does not win the league. Am I being? Am I sounding a fire alarm? Yes. Maybe. Am I just projecting my other sports negative Nancyisms? Yes. Maybe. But I just I need to see a goal. I haven't seen a Liverpool goal in over two matches. Oh. We've got. I know. We've got. 
a 7.30 match this weekend. We're at home against Bournemouth. So, and then we play Atletico next week in the Champions League. So, I was talking to a friend of the pod, good friend of the pod, Douglas, who's a Liverpool supporter. And what I thought was going to happen is that if we do not have a good match on Saturday, if we lose, which we're at Anfield, they have not lost a match at Anfield since the Reagan administration. It's been that long since Liverpool, I think, has lost a home match. We've at least gotten points. It's an absurd amount of time that we've gotten points at at home. If we don't win the match on Saturday, I feel like if if you can't get woken up from almost losing to Norwich, having to come back against West Ham, losing three matches in a row, if that doesn't wake you up, I I don't. What's going to wake you up? You might be Tottenham. Oh, no, don't put that on me. Don't you put that on me, Bryant Caves. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we're going to see how this progresses. Maybe it's just all to do about nothing. Maybe they'll win this weekend and we'll record next week. And I'll just be like, yeah, I'm feeling great. Only three more wins till we win the Premier League. But right now I'm I'm in the, the, the only scenario. I'm in the one. And it's a doomsday scenario. Watch out for the cherries, man. Up the cherries. Um Tottenham, though, I mean, this is the losingest podcast we've ever talked about, I think. Oh, God. Thank God the crew won. Thank <laughs> goodness for one of those. <sighs> yeah, Tottenham's Tottenham's Tottenham right now. I mean, we talked okay. about it. We talked about it some with, with Brian. Um, really just a, a slog, a struggle of a match uh, in that FA Cup loss. Uh, you know, no offense. That's the problem. You don't have any offense right now. It certainly hurts when uh, your two leading scorers are, are out for the for uh, a very extended period of time. Um, well, we talked about it. Um, we, we talked a little bit about it, or I jokingly said on Twitter that we're a Canaries podcast, and that you know the game is tied, and tw- uh, Tottenham's not going to score, and they know it. And I say jokingly, but in my mind, I'm thinking Tottenham's not going to score. They can't. Like, there's no scenario where they have somebody. Unless you have a Norwich-like goal, which that goal was ugly. Right. It was just <laughs> bounces off the keeper. Guy runs up, and it looks like he barely even touches it. Bounces over the keeper. There's a defender running up. Like, it wasn't a pretty goal. Like That's the only goal I could have seen Tottenham scoring. And it, it would be Tottenham that would give up that goal as well, though. Um, but they had a they had a three to two match on Sunday. Thank God we you couldn't watch it, right? But they've been scoring goals. It just it's so inconsistent. Yeah, no, there, there's no consistency. Um, as I said with with Brian, the minute that game went to PKs, I was like, for the love of God, do not let this game go to PKs. I was like, please, just win this game in in, uh, in regulation or in extras or. I was like, do not send this game. There's no way in hell. I think everyone in that stadium knew the minute it went to PKs. There's no way in hell we're about to win this game. We don't. We just don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> who, do you, who do you guys have this weekend? Uh, Burnley, who is, uh, I saw a stat, I saw a stat today, is the, uh, of the last, I think, five games or six games or something, has the second most points of anyone in the league behind Liverpool. So, that's fun. Mm. Um, Where do you realistically now think Tottenham's going to end the season? Uh, mid-table. I think they're uh, somewhere in the 
eight range, probably more likely eight than six. You only have to get to fifth. We'll see. Potentially. Yeah, I mean, could they do that? Yes. Would I be completely shocked if they did that? No, I don't think I would. Um, but I wouldn't predict it because I just don't. I don't currently. I don't see it. They're gonna have yeah. to start. They're gonna have to start winning some of these, some of these games. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see what happens this weekend. One thing to note also, um, not this weekend. Is it this weekend? Or is that next weekend? The against Man United. It is it is next weekend. Yeah, thanks for thanks for bringing that up. So, um Columbus Spurs, we are doing a fundraiser. Um I know a lot of I know I'm sure everyone saw on the news the uh terrible tornado that went through Nashville during the week. I mean, it was I the toll I heard most recently was 20 22, 23 dead. I mean, millions upon millions of dollars worth of you know, damaged property. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people without power last I heard. I mean, it was it was a really bad storm. A uh, really bad tornado. Um, the Nashville Spurs, who are you know good folks, have, have a lot of interaction with them on Twitter. Um, the pub where they watch their games was destroyed. You know, damaged. I don't think it was destroyed, but it was damaged pretty severely to where it's not usable anymore. So, um, what we've decided to do is we are actually going to be raffling off a growler next weekend for the uh, Man United games. So not this weekend for Burnley, but the following weekend. Uh, it's a twelve thirty match over in Endeavor, um, and we are going to be donating um, any of the uh, profits to. Uh, to the Nashville Spurs, they say they're going to find, uh, you know, a good some somewhere where they can put that money to use in the community um, to help some of the folks affected. So we're gonna, uh, you know, if you want to come out, it's a Spurs versus Man United match. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, if you're a fan of any other team other than the two, hey, come out and root against United. Nobody likes Man United. Yeah, come out. I'm gonna be out there rooting against Manure. Get get yourself have some beer, Endeavor's beers, and uh, the vibe there is fantastic. Come out, have a beer, buy some raffle tickets. Hey, maybe you'll win some free beer. Free beer J- never hurt. Is JD's going to be there? Uh, I believe JD's will be there. Ooh, I want to try the tots and ham. The tots and ham is they've they've given us our own dish, Thomas. We have got the tots and ham, and I can confirm it is delicious. Didn't you create it? Um, I did not. Um, our uh, intrepid uh, Columbus Spurs president, Sean McCullough, shout out to Sean. Uh, he actually created the dish, but so many people uh, requested it the day of that match that they are going to add it, that they have said they're going to add it to their menu, at least for when they're at Endeavor. So, you know, Get come some out. Tots and ham. Try the tots and ham. Support a good cause. Support a good cause. Drink some beer. It'll be a good time. Well, speaking of a good time, Brian, this has been this has been a lot of fun. How about you go ahead and take us home? So, thanks again, guys, for for listening to us every week. Thanks to everybody, you know, that came by to see us over the uh, you know at the tailgate. That some of you that have listened Except for two rush podcasts. Well, you know, for you, uh, folks that had nice things to say that had listened. Folks that hey said hey, I might gonna check it out. I'll listen to it. I'll tell other people. You know, we really appreciate that. 
Um, we are actually going to have an upcoming special. I know we've talked about it multiple times uh, with television star Mike Kelleher. He's going to be coming on to talk about vinyl, a new hobby that you and I both love. Uh, we'll talk cats. We'll talk about his new show, uh, Legacy List. Keep a lookout for that as soon as we can get the three of us on the same schedule. Which we'll is my fault. I had to cancel um, one of the times. And it's not Mike is a great person, great to work with. And I'm just um, horrible to work with. And we can't record on Tuesday. So it's just, it's it makes it it makes it tough to go. Completely our fault on that. Um <laughs> As always, engage with us on Twitter. We're at Bryant and me. You can get me, Bryant, at Pickle Chips. That's uh, replacing the ones with the, uh, replacing the eyes with ones. Good Lord. Easy for me to say. And that's Pickle Chips with an S. Uh, you can get with Thomas. That's the me and Bryant and me at one Thomas oh, Costello. That makes sense. In case you were wondering, in case you're new to the pod. It took 20 episodes. I get it now. Hey. You know, we all got to catch up sometime. Give the podcast a five-star review, as always. We love to hear from you. The snarkier, the better, we like mm-hmm. to say. Just as long as you give us five stars. There's definitely a chance you'll have it shared on social media or read live on the air. Um, check out or our music. Both. Exactly. Not even an and or situation. It is. We will We will shout it from the rooftops. You know, we've started making a monthly music playlist on Apple Music and Spotify. I know we've released our first one for February. Um, we're a couple of generic white guys, so you know, as you can imagine, it's a lot of Americana. <laughs> <laughs> I have a classical song on there, and I have hip hop. Bryant songs are the first eleven; mine are the rest of them. If you care to know who's or whom's or whom's or who's, so you know, get on there. Tell us. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Tell us, maybe give us some music suggestions. Thomas and I are both big music fans. We always love to hear new music. Tell us about some artists that you think we might like. Speaking of telling people about things, again, keep spreading the message about our pod. Tell your friends, your family, your enemies. Your enemies. <gasps> we both said that at the same time. That wasn't even in the outline. Oh, gosh. Continue. Oh, I'm excited. So, so sweet. Um, tell random people on the street, shout it from the rooftops, get a <laughs> mega, get a megaphone and just stand on top of buildings yelling at people, uh, whatever you get, whatever you got to do to get the word out about us. We really appreciate it. As always, guys, take care of yourselves. Take care of the people around you. Wash your damn hands. Wash your damn hands. Have a good night, guys. Take care. Adios.